Amen. Brother Johnson, we want you to come. Pastor has confidence in you, and we have confidence in you to deliver the word that God has placed upon your heart. Wants you to come and preach the word of God to us. Amen. Everybody say, God bless Brother Johnson. Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord here today. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord here for just a second. As I get prepared to preach the word of the Lord, I come here today with a burden on my soul today for a church of the living God. And I believe here today with all of my heart here today that today can be the day that this church will be forever changed and the people of this church can be forever changed. I come here today with a sincere burden of my heart that comes from a dream that I had much long time ago, about 16 years ago. I know we're all used to pastors uh, preaching here today and the flaming yawns and the loaded baked potatoes and everything that he gets. And today you end up with beanie weenies and sauerkraut. But so, so it be here today. But I tell you today, I come with a burden on my soul. And as I, as I sought the Lord, I come up here yesterday and prayed and this message just could not get off of my heart here today. I want to thank Brother Goff here today for preaching with me here today because it's going to seem like you're going to hear more of his voice than you are mine. But I just, pastors put a love in my heart for the Word of God. And I just believe that the Word of God needs to speak to us here in this house here today. I tell you, Lord, I believe that today, today that the eyes of the Lord are on this house. And I don't know why, Brother Golf, I don't know why that the Lord would place this burden on my soul, not really knowing what I'm doing up here just yet. I'm new to preaching, not really understanding everything that's going on. But I tell you today, I come with a burden. This, this sermon I want to talk to you about here today, I want to talk about the dream that I had. And it came 16 years ago as I was new in the church and didn't really know anything whatsoever about God. And God gave me a dream. And I was at the house and I was moving out of this house. And as I was packing boxes up, I happened to walk into a library and I heard this loud laughing sound. And it was a hideous sound, like the devil laughing at my face. And while he was laughing at me, and carrying on, I proceeded to look over and walk over to where that sound was. And I came to a box, Brother Goff. And at that box, there was three mice. One of them being a rat, and the other two being his minions. And they were standing there, Brother Goff, and they were looking over a pile of dead babies. They were standing there laughing. They had glasses on like a blind man was. And I don't know what it really signifies here today, whether, you know, these spirits didn't care who they killed and what took a hold of them, but all they were interested in was killing the babies. And I come here today with the help of the Holy Ghost to preach about something today in this house. I come to preach about a revival that God has promised to this place and I believe that here today, if we, God is looking for something in each and every soul here today. And if we can find it here today, that God is going to change this situation around. I'm here to tell you today, the adversary doesn't come to a house to rob an empty house. The thief doesn't come to, em to an empty house to rob it. He comes to a house that's full. 
And he's looking to steal something from this place. He's looking to steal that promise that was put into our pastor's heart 25 years ago. And I've come today, I'm not saying that I have the answer, but I believe God has given me some insight to that problem here today. And, And time and time again, church, as I have been here, this church has went to revival at the doorstep, at the threshold of revival, and something has knocked it back. And then once again, we'd get to that place in the spirit that we could just feel revival was in the air. And bam, something happened and knocked us down again. And I'm here to tell you, once again, we are at the threshold of revival at this church. And there's just one thing that God is looking for here today that I'm going to preach about. If you would, turn with me here today to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. When you got it, say amen. As many of you probably noticed, I have glasses here today. I brought three modes of preaching. I brought paper. I brought iPad. I brought my Bible. I don't know how this is going to work out. I just know wearing contacts, my eyes always dry out, and I'm standing up here trying to trying to read the scriptures. So we'll see what happens here today. If one fails, I got the other, and if the other fails, I got the other. So, praise God. 1 Kings 3, chapter 3, verse 16 and 22 says this. Then came two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And one woman said, O Lord, I and this woman dwell in a house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass... The third day after I was delivered, that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman, child, died in the night because she overlaid it. And arose, and she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me. While thy handmaiden slept and laid it in her bosom. And laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead son is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake. Before the king. What a terrible situation this was. Can you just imagine here today with me a truly complicated case that was brought before King Solomon. Two women, harlots, sinful women who broke the law. Then they came for justice. The one harlot claimed she gave birth to a child three days before the other. The other mother allegedly laid her newborn and killed it by accident. Laid on her newborn, killed it by accident. She then slipped the true mother's sleeping child from out from her bosom and replaced it with the dead child instead. When she awoke, the child in her bosom was dead. And she saw something about the new found dead child that made her realize that is not her own baby. I want to preach here today. With the help of the Holy Ghost from this thought. 
the cry for a lost revival. The cry for a lost revival. I want you to lay your Bibles down here today. Raise your hands and your hearts to heaven and talk to the Lord for here just for a little bit as I try to convey the burden and the heartbeat of God in this place today here. right now, Lord, that you would bless each and every soul, that everybody here today would be blessed by the word of the Lord. God bless you as our prayer. You may be seated. In the verses prior to the story, Solomon had just taken rule over the kingdom, and God came to Solomon by a dream and asked Solomon, what shall I give thee? He asked to receive wisdom that he needed to discern between good and evil and to be able to rule the kingdom. 1 Kings 3 and 7 through 10 says this, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people, Mm. that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord, but Solomon had asked this thing. Amen, amen. What, what a prayer that was. This prayer he asked to have a heart that he would be able to help his people here. And further down in this chapter we find it doesn't very long that Solomon is going to be put to the test here. The case opens up not by lawyers but by the parties themselves. Though they were women it made it much easier to the piercing eye of Solomon that had to discern between right and wrong by their own showing. These women were harlots. They kept the public house. Their children Some think they were born in fornication because there is no mention of the husbands in this story. It is probable cause that it had been heard, this case had been heard in inferior courts, lower court system. That's what the commentaries say here today. But I'm here to tell you that when it came came before the king's court here today, they, they were looking at this particular case because no one could figure this out. It was her word against the other lady's word here today. And despite the terrible condition of these two ladies we see here, they seem to have one glimmer of hope in their life and one blessing, Brother Golf. And the scripture says that each of them had a child. Not only a child, but sons here. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 20 says this. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thy handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. You see, the children are a blessing from the Lord. They are the strength to you, especially in the days of your youth, when when your youth fleets away. Jewish history shows that a son was a great value to a family. And these two women knew and understand, and since... This would be their revival in their life. Their lives that seemed to be dire and bleak up to this point actually had a glimmer of hope. Psalms 127, 3 through 5 says this. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of thy youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. 
they shall not be ashamed, but they shall, be, shall speak with the enemies in the gate. These boys would stand at the gate of the enemy. They would, they would protect you in your days of old time, and they would keep the enemies away. The Dictionary of Bible Imagery says this about sons. In the Bible, a son a, is a male begotten by a father in a broader sense. A sonship denotes a range of familial and hereditary and social and theological relationships. Biblical references to sons to be understood in context of extreme value that ancient cultures placed on sons. In the ancient way of thinking, the life of the father is continued through the son. A major ingredient in a father's feeling that his life has been fulfilled on earth is the purpose that he may perpetuate a son of his lineage. And to remind us here today, we are the sons here today of Christ as Christians. With all blessings that Abraham had in his life, I want to talk to you here today. Everything that he had, he still wasn't fulfilled. All the cattle, the lands, everything that he had, he was not fulfilled here today. Genesis 15, 1 through 6 says this. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not. Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now God is saying, look, Abraham, I'm everything you need here. I'm everything to you. I'm your shield. I am your great reward. But Abraham interrupts the conversation here, and he says in verse 2, And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is in this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, no one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own bowels, shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth, brought him abroad, brought forth abroad, and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it for him righteousness. And here is the promise born of revival of children. And it will be more than he can even count. I'll read here verse Galatians 3 and 29. says, if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to that promise. But Abraham and Sarah grew restless because they were old. And they felt like God was just taking way too long to fulfill this promise. And as they tried so hard, they decided to do things their own way and created a mess here. Genesis 16 and 1 says this. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children. And she had an handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abraham, Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from hearing, from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave, to her, gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. He went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge me and thee. And Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy, hand, thy maid is thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt, dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. All right, that's enough right there. We'll stay right there. So in other words, there was a maid in the house. 
And this maid was a maid of Sarah. And she decided, you know what, because God's taking so much time here and doing what he said he was going to do. We're, we're just going to take care of this herself. Notice this lady was an Egyptian woman. This lady was the woman of bondage. And I'll pick this story up here just in a little bit. But no doubt, no doubt, this woman, Hagar, was mocking because Sarah was barren. Barren and had no children whatsoever. And surely in the Bible having a son was a sign of revival to a Jewish culture. We've got to acknowledge there's another side to this story. You see, as surely as the child being born represented revival, the opposite was also true. Therefore, there was such a reproach to be childless. Remember that Hannah wept over her reproach for her barrenness. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 2 through 20 says this, we might skip through. And he had two wives, the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina, and Penina had children, and Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship, to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And his two sons, Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut her up her womb. Now her notice here, the Lord shut up her womb. And the next verse says, And her adversary also provoked her ah, soul. Here comes the adversary once again, provoking the wife here, saying, You know what? What's your problem, woman? You can't bear any children? What's wrong here? There's got to be an issue. Just kept provoking her and provoking her. And go down to verse 10 here. And she was bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Aha! She was bitterly sore here today. Yeah. Verse 11. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look at the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thy handmaid, but thou wilt give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then will I give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. All right there. Notice what happened here. Hannah realized that she didn't have any children. And wait, the scripture says here that she was bitterly sore here today. But there was something that happened in Hannah's heart here. She decided instead of to, to lash out at this lady here, she decided, you know what? I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. I'm going to get down on my face and I'm going to ask God here today to bless my, bless my womb here today that I may have children to bear and not be in a reproach. Notice here today also, she finally gets her answer down here in the bottom and she gets up and the next thing she knows, she goes and uh, reproduces a son. And not only did she reproduce a son, she, she reproduced a prophet by the name of Samuel who would change Israel's heart back to God. Who, whose words who, that God said would never that never fell to the ground here today. But that she's not the only one. The scripture is full of examples here today of what I'm talking about. Rachel was ashamed because she had no children. And we know the story of Rachel and Leah here today. Genesis 29 and 31 says this. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Notice here. Notice the Lord saw that Leah was hated. And he opened Leah's womb, but Rachel was barren. Genesis 31 says this. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. <laughs> finally, 
finally she gets to a place of desperation in her life. And she says, you know what? I've got to bear children here. I've got to have babies. No doubt that Leah was probably taunting her as well. Saying, what's wrong with you, Rachel? Why can't you bear children here today? Finally, God opened her womb and, and she gave birth to two sons here today, which are important. She gave birth to Joseph and later to Benjamin, in which in Benjamin she perished in her later life. But it's interesting here today, as we look at this story here, that Joseph was the favored son here today of, uh, of Jacob. And one that he had a dream, he had a coat of many colors, and it, it came to pass that he ended up in Egypt, sold into slavery here today, and, come, and became second in command. But there's more here about Benjamin. Genesis 35, 16 and 18 says this. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come from Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. <laughs> and it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. Look at that verse 18 there for just a moment with me. It said, it came to pass when she had hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, uh, as her soul was departing, for she died. Verse 18, sorry. She called his name Benoni, which means the son of my sorrows. But I want you to notice here that what Jacob has to say here he, by calling his name through the tears of his eyes as his wife is dying. He's looking at here and he says, this son is not going to be called Benoni. This son is going to be called Benjamin. This son is going to be called the son of my right hand. This son is going to be my revival here today. This son here today, you hear me today, the devil also knew and took note. Uh, that being childish, that there would be no heirs to carry on the family name or to stand to fight the enemy at the gate. And the devil took careful note that we can see that if we could take the children of Israel, we could hold them back. The Pharaoh of Egypt realized that they're going to be outnumbered and that they're going to take over if we don't do something. What are we going to do? asked the people to Pharaoh. They're going to break out of their slavery. They're going to overcome their obstacles here today. What are we going to do, Pharaoh? And he says, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do here today. We're going to open up an abortion clinic. Here, every time a baby is born, I want you to steal them babies. And I want you to throw them into the river here today and let the crocodiles eat them and throw them down into the murky waters of the Nile here today. God's people could forever be held and keep them discouraged because of the stolen babies here. Exodus 1, verse, chapter 1, verse 8 through 22 says this. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of Israel, the children of Israel, are more and mightier than we. And come now, come, come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass, that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. So get up, get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Notice, the more that they got afflicted by their adversary, the more that these people grew here today. 
And I'm here to tell you here, we live in an hour of affliction, but I'm here to tell you that here today that we could grow exponentially in this house here today. I'm here to tell you here today as we read on down through here, and I won't keep Brother Brother Golf going here, that the midwives came in here and they stood in the gap for these babies against a wicked and evil king and said, you know what, you're not going to take these babies, king. You're not going to have these babies here today. We're not going to allow you to kill these babies. And in doing so, that they found favor in the sight of the Lord and the Lord offered them houses. Um, Let me hear you. Let me go down here today and it says... Here, there's also another king that we could talk about here today besides Pharaoh, and that king is King Herod in the New Testament. Uh, what about living under the Roman rule here today? Under the ruler of Herod, the baby was to be born. This baby was going to be called the king of the Jews. Herod said we could stop the supernatural from taking place if we just go steal the babies that are two years old and younger. So Herod sends them out to steal the Israelite babies and to bash their heads out on the cobblestone walls and to cut their hearts out. And it's just a simple plan here today. If we can take the babies from the children of Israel, we can bludgeon them into submission here today. All we got to do is convince them that every time revival starts to happen, that the babies that they are going to have are going to be stolen away. And they'll sit back in their pews and be defeated and wounded and upset and figuring out why what's the use why should we keep trying here brother golf we keep talking about this revival but every time we talk about it something comes in and steals it from us here today as I get to where I want to go here today in the story I've kind of blazed through that first half here today because I want to get down to the story in my text here today that I I felt that the Lord pressed upon my heart here today 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 19 and 21 says this. And the woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thy handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I did bear. Can you imagine what was going on through this mama's mind as she awakes up in the early hours of the morning to nurse her child and reaches down to touch him and feels the coolness of his skin and does not garner a response from her baby. I can almost see her right now, Brother Golf, ripping the covers back and leaping out of bed and screaming, My baby, my baby, my baby, only to collapse at the side of the bed. You can almost hear the weeping and wailing and moaning of this mother as she rubs her fingers over the head of this dead baby trying to come to the grips with what has just happened when suddenly perhaps some early morning ray of light comes through the curtains and we see here just enough to see that baby as a ray of sunlight falls on his face and she says what what is this this is not my baby this is not my baby only to turn around and snatch her head around and see this cruel and callous mother sitting in a rocking chair with this grueling look on her face saying, that's not my baby. And the mother says, you've got my baby. She's like, no, I don't have your baby. And at that moment, you recognize that that baby's dead here. And she starts screaming and yelling. I can just imagine here today as that mother says, you know what? You're careless. You killed your child here today. 
What kind of mother are you to just roll over and kill your child as she gives that baby nursing and breastfeeding it right there in your face? I can just imagine, Brother Golf, the argument that just ensued at that point. I guarantee you any neighbor that was in any block of there probably heard the screams. You talk about a cat fight that probably broke out that day. I'm telling you, this situation became so heated that it also made it to the court systems. It made it to the lower courts. But nobody could delineate whose baby this was. 1 Kings chapter 3 and 20 says this. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thy handmaid slept, and laid it in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. Now, how would the mother know what happened if she was asleep? How would she know what happened? I can just imagine, you know, a lot of scriptures talk about sleeping. Uh, the first one that comes to my mind here right now is, you know, when... when Jesus and his disciples were at the Last Supper. They were fat and full from the Lord's dinner. And the Lord said, let's go pray, guys. Let's go out and pray. But these guys are so fat and full that all they could do was sleep. But I guarantee you here today, Brother Golf, if they knew what was about to happen to their Savior, they wouldn't have been asleep in the garden. If they knew that Jesus was going to be taken from them, they wouldn't have been asleep in the garden. They would have been wide awake as to the situation that was about to happen. I also think about, just right off the top of my head, uh, the ten virgins. And uh, I think it's Matthew chapter 25. When they slept and slumbered, something major happened in their life. The Lord came back. So I'm here to tell you today, I just wonder how she actually knew that that was going. If she was sleeping, how did she elaborate on this story so much? But common sense just tells us what else could have really happened here. Uh, at any rate, there was no evidence in this case. There was nothing to be had here. Not only that, she told Solomon there was nobody else in the house here in, the, in my scriptures here today. 1 Kings 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 18. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered that this woman was delivered also, and we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. No witnesses. Both these women's lifestyles were yet to be desired. Outwardly, they were no more trustworthy one to the other. One's word was no better than the other's word. One person's word here was no better than anybody else's word. What a predicament to be in here today. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 22 says this. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king to the one, saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is dead. And the other said, Nay, but thy son is dead, but my son is the living. All right, that'll work right there. There's not a mother that wouldn't fight hell with all they had for one chance to touch that baby again. Wrap their arms around it and hold it in their protective arms. That was what this woman was doing with Solomon. She was saying, this baby is my baby and I want it back here today. And cold and callously and calculated, the other mother just blurts out and says, I don't know what she's talking about, king. Then look at this woman. She hasn't done her hair. She looked crazy around here. She's one of these crazy people that walk around here. She obviously, King, overlaid her child in the night and killed her baby. And she keeps dragging me to court 
And there's no proof otherwise as to what has happened. But when finally, when Solomon had enough, the case was getting nowhere. Solomon repeats the stories. Does Solomon indicate that there is absolutely no conclusive proof either? But what would this woman not understand that she was in the presence of the king? Not only the king, but the king that had the wisdom of God with him. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 23 says this. And the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Okay, that'll work. Solomon said, you know what? Let's just chop this thing in half. Let's just kill this revival right here. Let's just drop it. I got a roast in the crock pot. I don't want to eat dry roast today. Let's just go home. We'll finish this here today. And as the king said, this mother decided to cry out, but you hear me here today. I want to explain something here today. There is a significance as to why King Solomon brought the sword. Read with me here, Brother Golf, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. It says this. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. <laughs> the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says this about the sword. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him of whom we have to do. Now, I, I, I want to read this in a different translation here today. We pretty much, all of us here, understand what it says, but I just, I just want to take a moment here and read it in another translation. I think it brings maybe a little bit clearer picture to us here. It says here, I'm reading from the Living Bible, it says, For whatever God says to us is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest dagger, cutting swift and deep into the innermost thoughts and desires with all of our parts, exposing us for what we really are. He knows about everyone, everywhere, everything about us and bears us wide open to the all-seeing eyes of the living God. Nothing can be hidden from Him whom we must explain all that we have done. Our love and commitment to God will at some point be put on trial by a sword. The sword was brought to Abraham's house and tested his love out as well. Genesis 22, 9 and 12 says this. And they, and they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Ah, notice here, notice here, God put Abraham to the test as to what is most important in your life here, Abraham. 
What, what's driving you, Abraham? Am I more important to you than the things of this world? Am I more important to you to this son? What is important here today, Abraham? Not only in the Old Testament do I bring an example, I bring you an example from the New Testament. Matthew chapter 10 and 34 and 30 through 39 says this. Think not that I have come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but the sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall they be of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Amen. Jesus brought his sword to reveal who really loved him. How much do we really love him? He said he brought division that many of those enemies would be those of your own household. There will be situations in our love for Christ that will be on trial. Anyone can say that they love God, but it takes sacrifice and dedication. And James said without faith, without works, it's dead. You have to prove what you say here today. 1 Kings chapter 3 and 26 through 27 says this. Then spake the woman of whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, O my Lord, give her the living child, and in no, way, no wise slay it. But the other said, let, me, let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. We'll kill it right there. The actual mother suddenly yearned in her soul for that child. True love came forth an obvious indication of her truthfulness. Her words were not just mere convincing words, but they were words of action here today. Liars can sound convincing, and you hear me here today, the devil is a liar here. But there is something that liars cannot manifest. They cannot manifest true love and sacrifice. Their words are just an echo hollow of what they are here today. John 15, 12 through 13 says this. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This woman's love for her child rose from within, without her. It rose from within her, out of her heart. She did not love with mere words, but she loved with deed. She realized that if she sacrificed her own personal holding of her child in her arms, the child would live. If she handed over her rights to the child in sacrifice of her peace to the other woman, the child would not die. She sacrificed her love for that child so it may live. Meanwhile, the other woman who hated and was full of wickedness, she had love enough for the child to stubbornly cling to the child to the extent of standing before Solomon in the court for the law of justice. But her love was not a love of sacrifice for the child, proving that she could not be the mother. Furthermore, she agreed that the child should be divided. And the trial by sword revealed her bitterness. Since she could not have her child and let the child die so nobody could have this baby. Let me t I'm not going to go through this. I'm not going to belabor the point here today. There's another story here in the Old Testament. Many of us know it. I'll just kind of just glaze over it here right quick. Many of us know the story of Michael who was married to David. But it's an interesting thing here that, you know, Saul 
Saul gave Saul gave Michael to David. But Merab was a sister, and she was supposed to be given to David. And something happened. I don't know. The scripture doesn't elaborate. But the Bible does say that Saul was pleased that Michael was given to David because she would be a snare unto him. And knowing kind of how Michael operated here and how she, she despised David in the sight as he danced before the Lord and gave his, all of his might, there was an interesting part of this story here that just caught my eye as I was studying for this today. It's just something to think about here today. And I'm trying to find the scripture here right quick. There came a time that David took the throne. And as David took the throne, he was trying to make well with his enemies, with those around him, trying to make peace with the other nations. And there, there was the Gibeonites. And these Gibeonites... They, they wanted something. David asked him, what should I do here to make peace with you? And the Gibeonites said, you know what? I don't want money. I don't want anything. But what I want here is I want seven sons of Saul here today. I want the seven sons of Saul. And I find it interesting here that David, he spares Mephibosheth because of the oath that he made with Jonathan here. But there's a couple sons here that just it, it kind of blew my mind. Here it says that, I'll go to verse 8, I'll read this here. In verse 8 of Second uh, Samuel 21, 11 through, uh, 1 through 11, I'll read verse 8. But the king took the two sons of Rizba, the daughter of uh, Arai, who bare unto Saul, and Aramai, and Methibosheth, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul. How did Michael have... Five sons. If you remember the story as David danced before the Lord and she despised him, what was David's words that he said here? He said, from now on, your womb shall be barren. How did Michael end up with five sons if her womb was barren? I don't know, and I've studied and looked, and it's just, I'm just going to give this food for thought, but knowing the attitude of Michael, I think that she perhaps ended up with Miriab's sons by taking them from her. But as you go on down through the story here today, and that's conjecture of any sort, what I do see in this story is that Michael, as a Gibeonite, she gives up these five children. She has nothing to do with these children. They're, they're, they're not her kids. It's nothing to her. They're not my children. I'm just going to give them up. It didn't bother her. But the... But the the thing here that really interests me in this whole deal is, where's Miriab in the story? The mother is nowhere to be heard from. You don't hear the cries of a mother, don't kill my children. Don't take my kids from me. Michael, those aren't your kids. Those are mine. What are you doing? Why are you taking my children here from me today? And as we go on down to the story here today, as we've talked, Rizba. Rizba, the daughter of Arai, took sackcloth and spread it before her on the rock. In other words, the mother of the other two children was in such shambles and she was crying for her children, but Mariab was nowhere to be found here today. She was nowhere to be found. And as I talk to us here today about children here today, 
I'm here to tell you, just as the natural father longs to have children here today, our heavenly father also longs to have children with his bride called the church. As I get ready to start coming to a close here in just a little bit, as I have preached here today, I, and to those of you who are probably wondering what I'm carrying on about children and babies and revival, and who are these children here today? Who are these babies that I'm talking about? Where are these babies? I'm here to tell you today, you that may be listening, you here today in this service are the children of God. You are the babies that God I'm talking about here today. You may be the one here today in the house that have come and been born again of the water and the spirit. And for some reason the adversary has taken you out and wiped you out. But I'm here to tell you here today, you may be also one that is pregnant in the room of the belly of this church and may not know the Lord here today. And I'm here to tell you, you are a spiritual baby as well. John verses 3, 1 through 8 says this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And then the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And you must be born again of the water and of the spirit in order that you will become a spiritual infant in the kingdom of God here today and I'll go ahead and skip down here today as I get ready to make my closing comments here today in this service here today and get to the point that I believe that God wanted me to say here in this service here today not only do you must be born again of the water and the spirit you got, here's what you must do to be born of the water and of the Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 through 39 says this. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen, amen. You must repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins here today. What I've come to preach about today is something that was seen before Solomon's court. Before he even picked up the severing sword today, something was birthed in a heart of a mother. The instant that this mama saw that her baby was dead in her bed and in her arms of a murderous woman and a liar, she began to scream out and cry for a baby that was dead. She did not sit idly by and let anybody steal her children. And I'm here to tell you today, she didn't sit silently by either. And I'm not going to walk... And I'm not going to let you walk away with something that God gave me here today. Note that this woman had a shameful occupation. She was a prostitute. She had, with her living, was a liar's murderer for a roommate. It was an embarrassing situation. This child was most likely, as I spoke earlier, born out of wedlock. The condition of this woman's life would probably merited that she did not want any intention, in attention. Her lifestyle was an embarrassment. 
to the, to the world of that time around him. But something changed in this mother's heart. Something changed in her mind. And she realized that this baby that's being carried away and dragged away, my baby that's being taken away from me, and she began to cry aloud and make her petitions known. She began to create a stir and demand attention of others. She began to kick up sand and fight for what belonged to her. You've got to see this because this is where God wants our attention today. At this point, it didn't matter the shame and embarrassment of her life. She didn't care what she looked like to the people around her but what she did she was tormented in her mind and said God gave me a baby and you're not going to take that baby away from me here today her adversary had stole this baby from her and the life tells of the story that many of us missed here today her story says that you can't have my revival devil you can't have my revival something was born in this woman's heart. And finally, her day came in court where she stood before the king. And the king looked into the piercing eyes of this woman with the wisdom of God and said, pull a sword. And I'm here to tell you here today, as I believe God is looking down at this church today, The word of God has gone forth in this place. I believe that the eyes of the Lord are here today. We are in the house of the Lord. The house of judgment. And here today, God is looking for something from each one of us here today. He's looking, where is your baby? What is your attitude? What's going to be your response here today? And the Bible says, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. And here's what I come to say today in a closing thought. I'm going to say something that's probably going to be the spirit of doubt and unbelief is going to crop their heads up. But I believe here today, if we could get before the presence of the king here today, And we could pour our souls out as this woman did for her baby. I believe here tonight when we walk back into this house here tonight. I believe that those people that we have reached out to in this city. We've got all kinds of invites. We've got all kinds of Bible studies. We've got all kinds of impersonal contacts. We have done the job that God has asked us to do. But God, it's time for the baby to be born in this house here today. And I ask you here today, if you would like to come here today and pour your soul out here today before the Lord and ask Him here today, what is your spirit here today? Are you like that murderer that just took that baby and said, you know what, I just don't care, God. You know, I'm ready to get out of here. I'm hungry. It's time to go. Brother Chad is long-winded and let's just get out of here or is your spirit going to be here today I've come to seek a revival in this church and in my life and I'm here to tell you today you may be in a situation in your life that looks bleak 
and die are here today. But I'm here to tell you today, if you would be willing to come to this altar here today, I promise you, if you make the first step to this altar, God will meet you here in this house today. He will change He will change your situation here today. He will make you new again. You hear me here today. He will help you in this house here today. He will deliver you from the bondages that may plague your heart and mind in this house here today. I ask you come today here, church. God bless you.